Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Savior Jesus, who is the cornerstone, who is the foundation for our life, for our hope, for our peace. Dear Christian friends, today's a big day. We've got the the confirmation in their faith of three of our young men. We're starting a a new worship series that's going to connect with our life group Bible studies and, and run through the whole summer. It's a good day. And our worship series is is really called Seek First the Kingdom. It's based off of the Bible verse that we're going to be looking at in just a moment. But before we get there, I want to ask you a question. I want you to give some thought to this. It probably won't require much thought. You could probably answer it immediately. What's on your mind? What's on your heart right now? Because we all have that, right? We all have something that, that's on our hearts, that's on our minds, something that maybe is weighing us down, something that we're, we're wrestling with, something that we're, we're not sure how to handle. Maybe for you, it's, it's your health. Maybe you have a health concern. Or maybe it's just, I think summer's finally here, and so you want to actually improve your health and get outside and, and walk and maybe eat a little better. Or maybe, maybe for you, the thing on your heart is your family. Maybe it's because your family's growing. Maybe it's because your family's spreading out. Maybe it's because you're struggling to hold your family together. Maybe the thing on your mind is your work. Maybe it's because there's a project looming or stress and strife at work. Or you're looking for a job, or you're trying to find something bigger or better or different, or you just started something new. Maybe what's on your heart is, is retirement, or your marriage, or money, or friends. Whatever that thing is that, that's on your head, in your mind, on your heart, it's one of those deals where it's really hard to, to stop thinking about it, isn't it? And there's a reason for that. We tend to, we tend to worry, don't we? Right? We can't just like think about a thought about that thing. It's, it's always in there. It's always kind of in the back of our brain, like, like in your computer, it's running and sucking up your, the, the power of your computer, using up the memory, and just wears you down, and you worry. You worry about it because the reality is you want to control it, and you can't. I mean, that's what we do, right? We we put together a plan, and we work that plan, and we want the outcome to be the result that we planned for. But that's not always the way it works. In fact, probably more often than we'd like, it's not at all. And that's a difficult thing for us to to get our heads around and to, to be okay with. And so we worry. And the reason for that is our first takeaway this morning. It's that I want to be the ruler of my own kingdom. Because we do, don't we? I want to be in charge. I want to control this. Whether you're the, the most laid-back and easygoing person or the biggest control freak there is, This is a true statement for every single human being. I want to be the ruler of my kingdom. 
But there's a really big problem with that master of my own domain kind of mentality. And not only is it dangerously and destructively egotistical and egocentric, but it flows out of a soul that's spiritually broken. Because it, it sees myself as the one who decides how life should go, and then God is the one who should just make it happen my way. And it takes my relationship with God and it flips it completely upside down and it says, God, you answer to me. And that's why Jesus spoke the words that we're going to take a look at this morning. They come from a section of the Bible that's the longest single section of Jesus' teaching and preaching. It's called, often called the Sermon on the Mount and it's this wide-ranging discourse on life, and specifically on life as a Christian. And if you read through it, you're probably going to find, first of all, some things that are extremely applicable, super relevant, even though they were 2,000 years ago. But even more than that, you're probably going to find some things that you go, ooh, that makes me a little uncomfortable. And that's because well, if you read it as God's word, the word of the living God, who is the ruler of not only my life, but, but of the world, who holds everything in the palm of his hands, who decides eternity, if it's his word, and this is what he says, then, well, that's not what the world says, and it's often not even what my own heart and mind want to say. Because Jesus says things like, blessed or happy are, are people who are merciful, Blessed, happy are the peacemakers. Not the people who, who push the buttons and who stir the pot. Not the people who stand back and just let it all go. Blessed are the people who step into the mess and help calm it. Jesus says things like, blessed, happy are the people who are insulted because of Jesus. That's not what we, even as Christians, want to think, right? I mean, I, I love you, Lord, but boy, I really don't enjoy when people ridicule me, mock me, tear me down because of my own faults, and, and I don't even like it when it's because of you. Jesus says things like not one letter from the Bible is going to become irrelevant or unimportant, ever. He says things like, you know, those the insults, he, in, the, in the context of, of murdering, of hurting other people, he says, when you insult someone, you understand what you're doing. You're tearing down something that God has made, God has built. And it's actually spiritually damaging for you. He talks about adultery. And he says, lust, in your mind, in your heart, is in God's eyes just as bad as actually sleeping with someone. He talks about love, and well, that's a safe subject, right? We, yeah, we love our family, we love our friends. And then he says, love your enemies. Love those that hate you. Then he gets to worry. And it's something that we can all relate to because it's amazing how we live in this, right, the wealthiest nation in world's history, and we have more opportunity today than ever before. We have blessings upon blessings upon blessings, physical, material, family, all these kinds of things. And yet, 
man, we worry a lot. And for the worrisome heart, Jesus speaks these words. He says in Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. To a bunch of people who want to be in control, to a bunch of people who even think they're in control, but because we can't control it, we worry, Jesus says, stop. You're chasing after the wrong things. You're focused on the wrong things. You're seeking the wrong things. And that brings us to our our second takeaway this morning. Jesus gives a real simple directive, a real simple solution. God doesn't just want me to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. He wants me to seek them first. And that's where it gets sticky, isn't it? That's where it's tough. Because we want God in our lives. I mean, we do. We're here, right? We came to church today. We want God in our lives, but so often we want him in our lives on our terms. We only want him to say the things that, that validate our lives, that justify our thoughts, that we are comfortable with. We want him to, to accommodate us, to fulfill our desires, and to cater to our whims. We want to be first, and we want God to seek us. Jesus says, no. That's not how it works. I want you to seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness first. Put those things first in your life, in your heart. So let me ask, for all of the times that you've tried to be the master, right? tried to hold on, tried to, to control everything, for all the times that you've gotten all worried and anxious and worked up and afraid, How's that worked out? Does it help? Have you actually gained control over anything because of it? Or does it just make it worse? See, because for all the time, all the energy, everything that we put into the sleepless nights worrying, what we fail to see is We don't see the big picture. We see such a small sliver of the moment of our lives. This morning when you sat down, you should have found on your chair something like this. It's a puzzle piece. If you found one, or if there's one sitting on the chair next to you, please pick it up for a moment. Because I want you to look at it. And I want you to realize this, I want you to think of this puzzle piece as you. You are this puzzle piece. It's unique. There's only one like it in the entire entire room, in the entire puzzle, right? And so maybe, you know, you got some cool color like this. Maybe you're just like one of the background background pieces and, you know, just kind of some indiscriminate green blobby kind of stuff. Maybe you've got a splash here. Maybe you're bright and brilliant. I don't know. I didn't put them on your chair. But I want you to think of this piece as you. Because when you look at this piece, what do you see? You see a tiny little glimpse 
of something, but let's be honest, when you look at this piece, you don't see where, how that piece fits into the big picture. In fact, you don't even see what the picture is of, do you? You have no idea if this is a mountain retreat, if it's a sunset, if it's of space, if it's a, a lake. You have no earthly idea what this is a picture of, what you are a part of, because all you see is one tiny little sliver. You don't see how this piece fits with all the rest. You don't see how you fit in. You don't see how, how this thing in your life, probably something that you wish wasn't in your life, actually connects you with others. But here's the thing God does. Let me show you the picture so you can stop thinking about it. It's this picture of a, a lake in Italy. It's what was on clearance at the thrift store. So I don't need the pet pieces back. But which, you know, where are you? Are you up there? Are you down there? Are, right? We don't know where we are. And, and the hard part is, it's okay. That's hard because we think we see the big picture of our lives. But we don't. We think we see the big picture of the world. That's why we're very comfortable with strong opinions. But we don't. We think we have all the answers. But we don't. We know, relative to God, so little. Our, our, our abilities, our knowledge, our strength, our power is so limited, and yet, God says, that's okay. You don't need to worry about that because you don't see the big picture, but I do. I know what this is a picture of, and I know where you fit in, and I know how you connect with this person and that person's needs and this person's strengths, and I know how you bring that, you bring that all together, you interlock with them, and make this big picture that God sees. That's why it's so important then to not try to be the ruler, the ruler of my own kingdom, if you will, the God of my own life. Because let's be honest, who has control of where their life is going tomorrow or next month or 20 years from now? I don't, you don't, but who does? God does. And, and that's why he says, trust me. Seek first my kingdom. Because God sees the big picture. You know what's beautiful? Using this puzzle idea, see, God is going to connect you. If you're, we're all looking for purpose in life, right? When God is the one who connects you with others, you know it's for good. It might not be immediate good, and it might not be immediately easy, but it's for the good of his kingdom. The kingdom that he works in your heart through, through faith. The kingdom that he's working to spread to other hearts, God promises he's working it for a good purpose and for the good of others. So, boys, Aiden, Owen, Jordan, and really everybody in here, that brings the question then, how do we seek his kingdom? Well, over the last couple of years, these three young men, we've studied the Bible together, right? And we've gotten to, to learn about God. And we learned that God made you, right? He made you uniquely. We learned that God brought you into this world and put you in a family that would bring you to church, that would, 
that would bring you to baptism, that, where God would work through water and the word to make you his own child. We learned how God has, has strengthened that faith through his word to bring you to this day. And that's pretty awesome. But here's the thing. I want you to keep in your minds something really important straight. Today is not graduation. Whether you were confirmed or are confirmed today, or whether you were confirmed months ago or decades ago, it, there's a danger in thinking confirmation is graduation. Because let me ask you, for those of you who have graduated from high school, when's the next time you went back? 20 years? Maybe? You just graduated from middle school, right? When's the next time you're going back there? Never, I hope, right? See, confirmation isn't graduation because God doesn't want you to say, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm on to something totally different. He wants you to understand that he is so involved and invested in your life that he wants you to be here, to be with him all the time. So let me tell you how involved God is in your life. God knows you better than you know you. If I asked you what you had for breakfast three weeks ago today, I don't know. You know who knows? God. If I asked you what size shoe you wear, being boys, you'd probably say, I don't know. You know who knows? Besides your mom. <laughs> God. You know how many, God knows, he says he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows how many hairs are on your chinny chin chin, right? Maybe a few more today than there were a few months ago. And the thing is, God doesn't have like a spreadsheet that he has to pull up and go, okay, there's Aiden. Oh, breakfast. Yep, okay, that's what the answer is. God knows. Like that's amazing to think about. God knows you that well. He is so involved in your life because he is your God. But that also means that he knows all the times that our hearts have, have chased other priorities. All the times that we've worried needlessly, all the times that we have been sucked into temptation, all the times that we've fallen into sin, he knows. And that can be a little scary because that can make us think, well, what, what would God want with me? Maybe I, I don't need to be there Sunday. Maybe I shouldn't go back. I'm so bad. But God isn't just involved in your life. He's also invested in your life. For those of you that have done investments or had invest, played with investments in theory in class, right? When, a, when investment goes bad and you lose money, what do you do? You get out, right? You don't keep, keep pumping money into it because it's bad. And let's be honest, we're bad investments. God looks at us and he sees people who just take his forgiveness and we go right back to sin. What would you do? Would you dump that stock? Run the other way? Cut your losses? That's not what God does. You know what God does? He goes all in. He goes all in for you. He goes all in 
by coming here. He didn't just say, I'm going to know everything about you and, well, you figure it out. He said, I'm going to, I know everything about you and I'm going to come and save you. I'm going to come and live perfectly, keeping God as the focus of my heart and my life, not just for me, but for you. To give you perfection in place of every time you failed. And I'm going to come and I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die because that's what you deserve, but I'm going to take it away. And that's what Jesus did. He, he went all in for you. He went all in to save you, to rescue you, to forgive you. And he died. And you know how you know that he won? Because he rose from the dead. He conquered sin for you. He destroyed death for you. So death isn't the end. And sin isn't something to be afraid of. Because Jesus, he went all in. And he did it for you. And so that's why he says, boys, friends, Christians, seek first my kingdom. Because, man, I, am, I love you so much, you don't, even, you don't even know. I know you so much better than you can even imagine. I know all the, the foolish thoughts. I know all the struggles. I know all the fears. I know all of it. And when you try to hide it, do you know who it hurts? You. See, God wants you to come to him with your, your fears and your worries and your hang-ups and your struggles. He wants you to bring it all to him. Is that because he doesn't know? I thought he's God. Oh, he knows. Do you know why he wants you to do that? For you. Because when you do that, you stop trying to be in control. And you say, Lord, I'm going to stop trying to hide this from you. I'm going to stop trying to fix this problem. I'm going to stop trying to, to, to stand tall and, and get a stiff upper lip and, lip and not, not show any fear or any, any worry. Lord, I'm bringing this to you. And that brings us to our third takeaway this morning. That God wants me to trust that he is the God of my life. See, God isn't just your friend. He's not just there for you to, you know, check in occasionally, send him a little text and let, let him know you're doing okay. Pop into church every, every now and then and, yep, okay, touch base. We're good. God wants you to know he is the God of your life. And he makes this amazing promise. Because that's what Jesus does. And if you were in confirmation with me this last year, one thing that we, we said, we saw over and over again, and it almost became like a, a mantra for class. What does God do? God always does what? Kids, God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. Let me say it again. God always keeps his promises. And so Jesus makes this amazing promise, right? He says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all this stuff that you're worried about, all the things that your heart chases after, all this that's on your heart and on your mind, all the, this that you're worried about, what's ahead, what's now? You know what Jesus says? All of this 
will be given to you as well. All of the stuff that you're, you're focused on, all the stuff that you're chasing after, all the stuff that you're, you're struggling with, God's going to take care of it. Not necessarily in some poof, miraculous way. See, I sought first your kingdom. Now take care of this, God. But he's going to help redirect your heart. Relieve the burden on your mind to see things that, I don't know how I didn't see that before. answer was right in front of me. God does amazing things when you stop trying to be God and you just let him be God. When you say, Lord, you love me, you forgive me, you saved me, and now I'm going to just trust you. Because, boys, there's big things ahead. And not just for the boys, right? For everybody in here, we've all got stuff that's big, that's on our hearts, that's on our minds. And God says, it's, it's not going away this time, next time, this life. It's always going to be there. There's always going to be stuff. So don't try to control it. Don't try to push God off the throne in your heart and say, I got this one, God. Instead say, Lord, help. Talk to him. Go to him in prayer. And then listen to him, right? Before you listen to all the other voices, listen to what God says. Because he makes an incredible promise. And he's involved and invested in you. So much that he gave his life for you. Because he is your God. And he knows how you fit into this picture. And he knows where you're going. And he knows what that looks like. And he's got a plan. Trust him. Amen.